Hello and welcome to the Broden Property Podcast. Expect to hear from real estate experts, giving us their thoughts on the property market and giving insight into what they hope for in the future. Take a moment to turn off, sit back and enjoy the latest edition of People and Property, the two Ps in a podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of People and Property, the two Ps in a podcast. My name is Aaron Higgins, the head of Bowdoin Property, and I'm joined today by Chris Keogh, who is the Director of Development and Operations at Court Collaborations, a specialist build-to-rent developer based in Birmingham. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Aaron. Very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Chris, for those um, that don't know as much as I do and, and yourself about Court, can you give us a a bit of an overview about who you guys are, what you do, and, and your role within the company, please. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so firstly, thanks very much for having me, Aaron. Uh, great great to be with you and, and talk about the business. Um, so founded 10 years ago by Anthony McCourt, who's our um, founder and chief executive, um, after he finished developing the, um, the Cube, um, after that went into administration. Since then, the business has grown um, to about 12 people. Um, with the managing director, Alex Neal, sitting above me, and then myself as um, director of development and operations. Uh, as you say, we're a specialist build-to-rent developer, but we also do uh, build-to-sell, and we're uh, recently completed 225 uh, build-to-sell units at Arden Gate in Birmingham City Centre, and we've got another 304, um, which are partially completed uh, just a bit further down Bath Row behind the Penta Hotel on Holloway yeah. Head. So pretty active at the moment, um, always on the lookout for, for more sites. Um, but, you know, we, we work with a number of investors with different appetites. Um, and that allows us to, to look at different site opportunities and decide, you know, who it works best for. Um, is it a bill to sell? Is it a bill to rent? Yeah. Um, is it student? We've done some student as well. So okay. um, we've got quite, quite a few different um, ways in which we can develop schemes out and, and bring them to the market perfect and yeah and i know from looking at your your website and speaking to the market you know partnerships are something that you you do look to do you're not just always looking to go alone and if there's a sort of jv or a relationship there you're looking to, to partner with other developers investors land agents is, is that something that you're pushing forward in the future whether that's for build to rent sale or student yes absolutely like i say we've got a number of investors at the moment um, and we're, we're always on the lookout for, for more investment. We've got a pipeline of some 7,000 units um, across Birmingham and the wider West Midlands. Um, so we've got a big scheme over in uh, Wolverhampton, 1,200 okay. units Brewer's Yard scheme, um, which is um, in collaboration with City of Wolverhampton Council and West Midlands Combined Authority, um, but always looking for, for funds, um, whether that be to come in on a forward fund and deliver build to rent schemes, whether that's to provide equity to to hold and stabilize before trading out that asset afterwards, or whether it's to provide the equity um, and, and work with us to secure the senior debt to deliver to the sales market. Perfect. So yeah, essentially always looking for more money and good people to, to work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, you, you'll see it on our website. Um, you know, it's good people. Um, property is um, about relationships and it's about people yeah. more so than, than it is about the bricks and mortar. So, you know, we can put the right 
uh, teams together and, and work with the right people, then you know, we can deliver some fantastic products. Brilliant. And Chris, I know you've been with the company now, I think sort of five or, or six years and obviously learned quite a bit um, since doing your sort of masters um, in, in real estate and obviously working your way up through the company with uh, Anthony. But I guess the first 12 months was probably pretty scary. You probably thought you learned as much as you could learn. How is that compared to the last 12 months? Oh, the uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I, you know, um, it's actually, I was thinking about this the other day, it's longer than five or six years. I think uh, August 2013, I joined. So, oh, that long so seven, seven years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the the first year was jumping in at the deep end. Um, you know, Anthony had set up on his own. I'd come in off a master's. That was, um, you know, really the extent of my property knowledge. Um, and development is not something that gets taught that much um, or that specifically, I think, in, in real estate masters. Um, yeah. And so it was a lot of learning, a lot of learning on the ground. Um, so you, know, you just had to be a sponge in that, in that last 12 months. But of course, 2013, we were coming out of the Siberian economic winter that we'd had uh, post-2008. Things were moving on the up. And, uh, yeah. you know, the sun was starting to shine. The last 12 months have been extraordinarily busy. Um, probably one of the busiest 12 months we've ever had. Good. Um, extraordinarily challenging. <laughs> yeah. um, extraordinarily interesting. Um, and I would like to say extraordinarily fun, actually. Um, you know, never waste a crisis, as we say in our business. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've been, you know, you could call this a, you know, you would call a pandemic a crisis, wouldn't you? But, you know, from a property perspective, it's always throwing up all these different challenges. And it's really, really interesting. Um, and the more experience that you can, you get in, in these different types of environment, you know, the, the better, better place you'll be to deal with them in the future. So we have seen, you know, just to give you an idea of what's been happening for us over the 12 months, you know, anything that we've had on site, like I say, yeah. we've had over 500 units on the construction during, um, that's during the pandemic. And we have been, um, we've completed, we've practically completed on those. We've been selling them at a, a similar sales rate to, to pre-COVID, if not slightly, uh, slightly faster. The the values are maintaining uh, where they were yeah. pre-COVID. Um, we've, we've got investment to go out and buy sites that are available, which is fantastic. We've been working very closely with Birmingham City Council um, to take sites through planning. And I think that, that process has been working really well. Yeah. Where we've started to see, and everybody that I've spoken to within the industry has seen the, the slightly sort of slow down and, and struggle a bit, I guess, is it's just getting the, um, the commitment from institutional funds, whether that be on, you know, the, the bill to rent or just the, the senior debt yeah. um, to, to commit to, um, you know, 7,500 million pound um, spends and investment. You know, they want a bit of certainty about what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, we're in a, a big state of flux. Yeah, We've all seen recessions before. And yes, we have been in a recession, but more so on a technicality. Yeah. Um, you know, the money's there. Of yeah. course, well, the, the the money's there. The you know the markets aren't fundamentally broken like they were in two thousand eight. Yeah. You know, of course, we're going to be in a recession. Two courses of negative growth. If we close the economy for six months, it you know yeah. it's, an, it's a no brainer. But the good news is that a lot of the funding streams which we're talking to, none of them are saying no. They're being very very honest, uh, which is really refreshing. And they're not saying no. They're saying 
give us six weeks. We need to see what happens. And unfortunately, with every pass of six weeks, there's a there's a new tier system of yeah. lockdown, or there is just a full lockdown. Yeah. And you know, you, you, we're, we're sprinting 100 miles now, which is fantastic, and we you know we're we're, we're gaining some great momentum on projects. But also at the same time, getting that final bit of um, commitment to take things over the line before Christmas, I, I you know I don't think it's going to be there. But I think Q1 next year we'll see, um, particularly with the news of the vaccine, Q1 next year we will see an absolute yes. Uh, you know, in, in lending and commitment um, from funds. Brilliant. That's I say. And hopefully, that you know, that's sort of the start of the year. I said speaking to a number of people as well, all across the country, and I think everyone's really sort of giving again more news this week with the vaccine as well. So, yeah, I think the more we can sort of get news on that, the more sort of positive um, outcomes from that, the sort of quicker next year could hopefully catch it from this year and, and really push on and and go forward so if we can um just for a moment focus on sort of built to rent uh, as a sort of sector as, mm. a, you know, as, a, as a very much a growing and you know people speak very passionately about this you know sort of a few years it was it was it um prs was it built to rent was it anything else as well i think the uk is definitely sort of catching up other countries in terms of you know this is really a strong market um for us obviously you guys at sort of forefront um, of that as well. Do you think the mentality mentality is sort of changing in the UK that more people are willing just to to rent because of all the benefits of the amenities and everything else they get with it, and not as many people are as focused on on buying a home? Um, yes and yes and no. Um, I think, um, and you know, this is you know evidential. Um, there's still plenty of people out there that want to buy and own their own home. Um, yeah. Whether that yeah. whether that be you know a house in the suburbs or whether that be a city centre apartment, we are still seeing plenty of um, plenty of demand for that. But at the same time, I would also uh, say that we're seeing plenty of demand for for build to rent. You know, um, yeah. any any rental product that's on the market, whether that is through the um, sort of four built out specific build to rent schemes that are in Birmingham currently, or whether that is through um, PRS or whether that's just through private landlords, there is plenty of plenty of appetite through there. But I think it will only become a a more interesting and more stable and viable and mature asset class over, over the next few years because, as you say, there's a quality of amenity in there, but not just as there a quality of amenity. There's a quality of management, and that is that's the yeah. important thing there. You have a professional landlord whose entire business model um, revolves around providing um you know having a nice clean amenity spaces providing the right amenity spaces making um making the community right and making people feel like they're at home making them feel like they're wanted and loved as tenants you've all yeah. you know you, you all have rented i've rented and we all have rented off individual private landlords in the past and i, I don't think it's speaking out of turn to say that you know, there's probably left a lot to be desired in many cases. Yeah, um, yeah you know. a few flats in uh, London, I could have done a bit more, uh, a bit more of a lick of a paint, I think. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, but when you've got these uh, institutional landlords and, institu- you know, um, these the significant managing agents uh, managing the entire block, you know, yeah. everything about the maintenance and the management um, and the community of that property feeds into their business. That is their business. So it gets a lot more care and attention. And it's something that we as a build to rent uh, developer um, are really trying to be as clued up on as possible. You know, we speak to 
you know, all, all the different funds, all the different managing agents. What are people looking for as this amenity space? What's going to attract it, um, people to our development as opposed to other people's development? And, you know, yeah. we've gone past where we were. And, as, you know, I mentioned the point about maturity earlier on. We've gone past where we were two or three years ago when build to rent first really started coming forward. Before that, we were discussing PRS, which, you know, was institutional uh, funds coming in, but they weren't funding the development um, themselves. You know, they were coming in and buying wholesale, yeah. effectively wholesale completed departments, which is which is fine. Um, but you know, now we've got um, institutions coming in early doors. We need to understand what they think is going to um, differentiate, and that is not just let's put in a gym, let's put in a cinema, let's put in a communal kitchen. Well that's you know not, not not lazy and not to knock the people that do it you know they do yeah. it well but we're starting to see more of and we're putting these in you know a dog wash room you know there's articles which have come out recently about the the attraction of being able to have your dog in a rented apartment yeah you know, it makes it so much you know you open up a lot more of the community and it's seen as really attractive to to renters um we getting we don't want to go down the sort of a gimmicky route of of doing things but it's got to be a community and how much of how much community space would you uh sorry how much uh sort of amenity would, would you expect if you were living in in a suburb yeah you know what would you want to be seeing would you want a little cafe where you could go and sit in and work you know would you you want the gym yes you want the gym is, is a communal kitchen particularly in the pandemic the right way to be going i yeah. don't know but what else are we seeing we're seeing people working from home so how does that actually impact upon um, the way that we design our buildings, our apartments? You know, is it an extra room in an apartment to work as a study or is it a um, large space downstairs on the ground floor? Get yourself out of the apartment, um, get yourself into a, a rentable desk. You know, does your fob for your apartment or the building, does that link to uh, printers yeah. um, and things like that in, uh, you know, a business center um, effectively, you know, those are really important because we're now starting to think people will be working from home more. I don't think we're going to see that, you know, the massive sea change, which everyone was talking about at the beginning of lockdown, the office is dead. No, I don't no, do no, that no, for no, one no. second. But people will be working from home. And the key to it is, um, and everyone is more um, aware of and, and happy to these days is, is the mental health side of things. Yeah you could be in you know massive danger these days of never ever leaving your apartment because you don't need to yeah you have your food delivered to you um to your door you're working from your apartment you're living in your apartment you're watching everyone's tv you've got netflix you've got everything you don't need to go to the cinema you don't need to go do shopping you don't need to go out to to the office so we're able to provide high quality amenity space both internally um you know like like the um the business lounge and yeah. externally, some green space for people to walk around. I think that's what um, you know is really important now to, to tenants. Yeah, I think you sort of preempted actually one of my um, my questions was, you know, how has this, I guess, last of six months changed either sort of floor plans or amenities? And you answered very well because you mentioned a few times, I know it's on your website as well, people properties and the people that go into your properties, you want that sense of community was another word that you used. Actually. You don't want people going into their, their room, their little box, locking themselves away, you know, having the delivery 
sent to them, spending all day on a computer, spending all evening on Netflix, never sort of interacting. Obviously, at the moment, we can't interact as much as we can, but having those, I guess, outdoor spaces, whether it is a gym, whether it is a, a dog pampering sort of um, area, these must be things now you're very much uh, much more conscious whilst going through planning with Birmingham Council, Wolverhampton Council, whether you, know, you have slightly less rooms, but then the rooms that you have are, are much better and much more sort of fit to a purpose for, for the modern, I guess, the modern client. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said earlier on, this is it's it's not about gimmicking, it's not about being um knee jerk to, to yeah. what we're seeing. You know, you've got to have a long term view view into the future. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily about oh God, how do we design for COVID? Because if we're designing for COVID now, with all the news about a vaccine, COVID COVID yeah. won't be a worry by the time those those yeah. properties come out the ground, you know? Yeah. But it's looking into what could you know the next time there's a pandemic you know we don't want one anytime soon my god but <laughs> yeah yeah what 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 could happen um and and having that little bit of um crystal ball gazing but we've you know we've got a reality here which we can deal with and we can plan into things which takes away a little bit of that that risk uh when you're when you're planning for the future um and okay. you know means there's less crystal ball gazing yeah, and fantastic. And Chris, there's one site that you um you've recently acquired, which is as you probably know quite close to my heart in in Digbeth. Obviously, spent many a uh, afternoon and evening down into the Digbeth, and you guys have got the uh, Irish Centre uh, yeah. now as well. Can you tell people a bit more about that? Because there's a lot of obviously local listeners that will have spent time in and around that area and, and want to know all the things that's going on in Digbeth. Because you drive down there at the moment, there's lots of empty shops, lots of empty sort of stores. But Birmingham's going through real rejuvenation at the moment, isn't it? And you guys are are leading that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the regeneration of um, Digbeth and Derretend um, is is important to the city. Obviously, the, yeah. the catalyst for for that has been HS two, um, and obviously that that's going ahead. And there's a, a whole heap of work which is going on in um, in Digbeth and Derretend with ourselves, with um, Carl Waterhouse, with Hub, with um, Oval Group to really regen that that whole area, and we've been working very closely um, with the Birmingham Morris Association, um, uh, Morris and Pat um, there who are, who are absolutely great guys. Um, yeah. because, you know, as you say, we're taking over the uh, Irish center um, yeah. or what's known as the Irish center. Um, we've got those, those guys on board um, and we want to understand uh, what Digbeth means to their community yeah. and how we can help them with that. And of course, next door to the Irish center is the boring trade which we also know, uh, sorry, we also own. Um, yeah. We've got 995 residential units on there, 30,000 square feet of amenity. But some very exciting news, which will come out in probably the next three or four months um, about partnerships that um, we're doing there to make sure that the Irish community are well represented. Um, and there Good. is a, uh, you know, we've already got the consent for um, Irish Heritage Centre, Irish um, sort of F&B, offering in that location but then yeah. going back to the Irish maybe we'll get you back on in march for a yeah maybe we'll get you back on next year for yeah, a st patrick's day special st patrick's day special yeah, yeah. obviously about the irish center yeah be, indeed no, be brilliant. Very, very happy to do that um yeah, yeah. yeah the, the irish Chris, center itself it's a yeah, yeah, we're going sorry, for, yeah it's a 48 story tower um yeah. on there which is 454 residential units again um with some well thought out um, amenity and public realm around it 
um, trying to you know tie that into uh, into Digbeth and and that'll be um, that'll be built to rent as well. Brilliant. And Chris, to sort of just to, to close it off and to put you on on the spot, if possible, I know there's a million things you need to sort of take into consideration. What do you think the top three things are to consider in a, a build to rent development? Um, the top three things you might look for or that, or that courts actually deliver? First and foremost, um, well thought out and well considered apartments themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, you. you can't be cramming people into into boxes, um, you know. So they've got to be well thought out. The amenity space um, that is being provided, as I say, and to to get people out of the apartment should they so choose, and um, but provide high quality amenity space, um, both internally and externally. But then you know it's also um, it's also building management. Um, you got to make sure that you're you're managing that that building um, correctly. Um, you know, you yeah. have a whole a whole mix of of different tenants in there from different backgrounds and all that kind of thing, but they'll all they will all be expecting the same high quality of of building management, and that's the key. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Chris, very much for for your time. So this has been Aaron Higgins. He has been Chris Keogh. Anybody that's interested in learning more about obviously what Court do, they've got a fantastic website with loads of information. Anyone in and around the Midlands. That's looking to get involved, obviously get in contact with um, with Chris directly. But Chris, thanks very much for your time. Have a good weekend and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks very much. Cheers for having me, Aaron. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to another episode of People and Property, the two P's in a podcast. I'm joined today by a very special guest, uh, joined by Tim Lloyd, who is a partner at Prime Retail. I first met him yeah, a few years ago, was introduced by a mutual connection, and he uh, took me under his uh, his big wing and uh, showed me a bit of London, a bit of the market, a bit more about real estate, what to do, who to talk to, um, where to drink, quite a few times as well. Lucky enough to go on a, an actual football tour, the RICS, to Belgium as well, which was... Uh, we save that for another podcast, uh, another time. But, uh, Tim, thanks for, for joining us today. Can you just introduce yourself, your company, and a bit about your uh, your history, please? Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm part of Prime Retail, which is a small uh, niche partnership based in London. Uh, we've got five partners and three staff. Um, we focus mainly on retail, although we do leisure bits as well and some alternatives. One of my colleagues does uh, different types of things in the market, but majority of my work is spent advising um, landlords and occupiers on, on leasehold property. Um, it's been a tough year, I'd say, this year, but we've kept busy and uh, kept focused. And actually, some of our clients have been uh, incredibly acquisitive, really, in what has been a, a really tough year for a lot of people. I mean, one of my clients, Poundland, who are essential retailer, they just opened a raft of new stores last week and will probably have opened about 35, 40 stores by the end of the year. Okay. So that's as busy along with, you know, helping restructuring leases for retailers and maybe doing work with people like Close Accessories and Nando's on some short-term lease extensions with some rent-free. But yeah. in terms of how I sort of ended up in property, I mean, it's 20-plus years now. Um, bit by luck, really. I, I didn't get the best day levels, in fairness, to with the uh, playing rugby, pissing around and stuff like that. So... Um, I got through clearing on a, a HND, 
uh, course for a state domain in, in Nottingham Trains with the old poly and um, enjoyed it to a degree. Didn't really like the studying side of it that much, but unfortunately I did a placement year um, just before my final year and I got a job at McDonald's in North London, the uh, Mackey D's and their property departments. And, yeah. and that year really set me up, to be honest. It gave me the, you know, I wasn't particularly great, like the Paris tables, valuations and coursework and things, but getting an idea of how things would actually work in practice suited me much better. I was taken on the wing by two guys. One was the, the sales manager, the one was senior management surveyor. They took me along to a load of meetings, gave me a load of stuff to get stuck into, took me to all the social things in London where they were invited to their agents. I remember going to like, you know, the work to Christmas, going to like drinks dues two or three times a week. And, you know, I was earning five grand a year, which was only just about enough to cut my weight to rent in London. But getting invited to all these dues and, you know, free bars and stuff like that, it was pretty enjoyable and pretty lucky, really, in that way. And, yeah. you know, I remember going to Champions League semi-final because McDonald's sponsored the Champions League, which was, you know, a Man City fan. I went to watch Man United get beat by Richard Dortmund, which is brilliant. But, Good day out. Yeah, good day out, but... I just remember that year I was exposed to so much that it really set me up for when I was finishing college and I got a job quite early on because of that year out I'd had and the contacts I'd made and, you know, the one tip I would say, if you get that opportunity, is throw yourself into anything. You know, I played football for and I played golf. wasn't a great... You know, if you're invited to do something, do it. Yeah. Sometimes now I see, I see people, you know, you talked about the RICS football tour before, you know, RICS rugby tours anything, game of football after work, because you, that's how you get to know people, that's yeah. see an agency, it's not about your qualifications, it's about your contacts and information and, and victory, throwing yourself out there, exposing yourself to, to anything possible, and, and that's how you're going to pick up contacts, which, you know, from that year out, I've still got contacts that I made on that place in the year 26, 27 years ago now. Yeah. You know, one of them yeah. is actually a business partner of mine on a property I own. You know, he was the first ever agent I met. And I remember going to meet in the West End. Got the tube from East Finchley down to the West End. Meeting lasting 20 minutes. And then we went to the Windmill Pub, Round and Wills. Yeah. I had seven pints. I thought, this is the job for me. You know, this is that's it. That's it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think there's definitely in property, all different areas, so much of it is about personality, you obviously have the base level, you know, sort of education and understanding, but a lot of it is about relationships and, you know, with your role in the last 20 years, whether it's JLL, Fawcett Mead, Card Factory, people want to work with good people, so if you're calling them, you know, to sort of get an agreement or to do a deal, deal, do they want to pick up the phone and talk to you or is another guy or girl down the road that's doing a better deal? But if it's all about the same money, it comes down to relationships, who you like, who you get on with and, you mentioned there as well, you know, whether it's RICS rugby or football or golf or tennis, whatever it is, go. You don't know who you're going to meet. And I think that's the attitude that's helped you for the last sort of 20 years because probably people at school, as you're saying, people at university that thought they were going to get a first and perhaps be a bit more successful but didn't necessarily think of the bigger picture, a bit too focused on what's happening. And I suppose this last year when it's been really hard, those relationships you've built over the last 10, 15 years, you can now lean on each other and we help each other out a bit more because you know and you trust each other. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's true, and um, I think as you do get older, uh, you, and you probably your success in some ways, you get the opportunity to sort of pick and choose a little bit who you work with, so you can sort yeah. of decide, and, because, you know, we can all chase around for different types of work, but you end up working out there with, you know, both agents and clients to sort of... Uh, 
bunch really and, and they almost become like an extension of your own sort of business and team really so yeah um, I think the hard work that you do previously certainly does pay off but do you know what? I think the, the biggest thing for me is the way the retail market has changed is that you know as agents you've got to change as well you know the Back in the days where I started, you used to be able to get unretained uh, acquisitions for a load of people. You know, someone would tell you certain shops like Sears or Arcadia Time are selling these shops. If you had the information earlier, you could phone up a number of retailers, Vision Express or Spec Series, and say to them, oh, would you look at this? Yeah, and you'd send it before email. This was fax as an introduction, and, and you're, you're wanting 10% of the rent just for sending this fax over, basically. And that's yeah. how... So you could go down the pub, you could find out from the Dalgleish boys or CBRE then becomes or, you know, Keelian Baker or whoever it was or Churston heard before it worked, uh, what shops they had coming up. And you could you could make a living on unretained acquisitions. I think nowadays you, you'd, you would struggle on that because yeah. a lot of occupiers have preferred agents. Some of them don't actually use agents now. You know, there's certainly been squeezed in the market, but... You know, I do think that there's always a role for an agent. And I've had client-side roles myself and I've always tried to use the agent because it does give you that little buffer, Yeah. you know, between the two parties where there's, you know, an awkward conversation to have. And, you know, the reality is uh, I always look at fees. Sometimes people look to cut fees. You know, if the fee is a big reason about the deal, whether you want to do the fee or not, you shouldn't be doing the deal. Okay, yeah. Be relevant like that. And that's what I find... You know, funny that sometimes people say, oh, well, do the deal, what can you do on the fee? You're like, well, if it's the right deal, the fee, the fee is irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant. And I think maybe where the market may change in the investment market is that, you know, the traditional way of, of dealing 1% on the uh, acquisitions or sales, it may be that, you know, agents are incentivized more where they say, well, you know, I some do this now where they'll, leave their fee in a deal so they can run the two, three, four, five years in maybe the cycle if they can afford to. So, they, so they're invested in that opportunity. So when they're selling the opportunity to a private pension fund or a property company, they'll say, well, you know, I believe in this deal enough that I'd like to sort of come in on it, you know. And yeah. I think maybe more collaboration like that. You know, we, we're certainly seeing with retailers now that rather than just paying flat fees on rents, it's always been a, a slight irony, I think, that, you know, the more rent you pay for a retailer, the more bigger fee you would get. Yeah. You know, it, I'm, I'm not sure whether it works with the same with you guys in terms of no, salaries, you know, but... Um, no, there's big deals. Yeah, well, exactly, but um, a lot of retailers now, in terms of on portfolios, and we've just been involved with administration of, of, of Debenhams and with other people that we're involved with, they now will incentivise you and pay a percentage of a saving. You know, so if you say I can save you X, your rent roll, I think people would rather say we'll pay you according to that. Really, yeah. so there's definitely changes in the industry and what's and there's changes with the lease terms now. You know, traditionally when I was at college, we used to talk about 25 year leases all the time. Then it was yeah. 15, then it was 10 years, then it was 10 with a break of five. You're looking now to get five unbroken. You know, yeah. and I think people have had to be more flexible on that because. You know, look at the way before coronavirus, look at the way the market was changing anyway. You know, the department stores have changed and the demise already of the BHS. It was moving at such a pace anyway that you wouldn't want to commit to anything for 10 years. You wouldn't know where you'd be in 10 years. You know, if, you, if most people look at deals they did 12, 18 months ago now, they think, God, I wish I'd never done that deal because, you know, they probably sat in a situation where they're paying more rent than they would if it was on today. But, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a learning curve for everyone. I, you know, as I said to you before, I think coronavirus has only brought things forward that were going to happen anyway. Yeah. You know, we don't know if it was changing. You know, people keep talking about the high streets of this. It's, you know, you've got to look. It's distinct. Certain high streets will be fine. Certain won't. There's shopping trends. Retail parks are still doing really well. A lot of the essential retail guys have still been trading throughout. You know, they're paying back the business rates. Well, not surprised me because they've had the best ever trading 12 months. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, paying that back is fine. And business rates will be a big issue if it comes back fully in April. Um, that could really set us back again if we come out of this as the vaccine starts to roll out and then you know we, we're looking at shops at the moment for, for landlords where if the business rates come back at 100 percent that's going to be more than the rent they're paying okay it's yeah it's cost for people so you know i think some form of quantitative easing or whatever you would call it on, on that or scaling it back in because i, I don't see how if it comes back in fully it's not going to cause a, a number of casualties, which maybe may happen anyway. But yeah, I think they'll attack this a little bit more equitable and more, and more relevant to today's values as well. You know, so the way they value it, the list I think seven years ago, last valuation, it's so out of date to what I see things yeah. in the retail are worth now. And conversely, say industrial values have gone like that. You know, so the rate payable on the industrial is probably much lower than it should actually be. Yeah, people, you know, the Amazons, the world and all that, they've got loads of that, but they're paying less on that, you know, not. So it's just trying to get that balance right, I think. Yeah, and I suppose, as you sort of say, you know, the, the way things have always been done, Corona hasn't been the sort of the swab at the camel's back to change it. It was always sort of coming, it's just sort of sped this process up. And in the long term, again, Corona's obviously not a good thing, but it might be a bit of a blessing in disguise that things are sort of rejigged and people that had these sort of good deals and, you know, maybe were having a bit of an easier life and the sort of rates that were sort of being put out by people, they're all going to get changed now because they have to change. And next year, whether it's pre-vaccine or post-vaccine, the market will have changed and it could be sort of better in the next five years because of it, maybe? Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, do you know what? It, it might bring forward a number of casualties which maybe were limping along anyway, you know, yeah. and at least almost getting it out of the way in a, in a, in a shorter and a quicker period. Uh, yeah. There's been numerous retailers who've done CVAs, admins, and they've, you know, they're on the th third, fourth, fifth incarnation. Well, you know, in some ways, you actually just want to get rid of that, you know, that, and, and, yeah, yeah. and um, hopefully there will be new entrants in the market, you know, there will be alternative use values on, on certain things. It's, you know, things will definitely change, but I don't think retail will be dead at all. I think it'll just, it will change. I think the leasing structures will change. Um, Rents will probably go more towards turnovers. That's a lot of the deals we're doing now are turnover related. Um, and I think that will happen more and more. There'll be greater flexibility in leases. I think the investor market will have to change, in particular if you look at shopping centres, I mean, traffic centres on the market at the moment, I think it's going to best space. It'll be interesting to see how that ends up with, because to value these things is going to be really difficult at the moment, because you know, you're looking at the rents, then you're looking at the arrears situation where people haven't paid since probably March and the moratorium has been extended to next March, you've got to look, well, you know, of that rent I'm owed, how much of that am I going to get, you know, and, and therefore, yeah. what's the value, how do I, you know, the traditional valuation methods of term and reversion and things that I think you've got to really reanalyse that now and look at it like a, a business income stream and, and what percentage of that income you think you're going to get in that time period and, you know, completely change it and maybe look at the residual values on some things, you know, where 
I think the retail park is probably easy to do because the site values are, are easy. But some of the town centre things, you know, there's some of the Debenhams at the moment. The one in Ipswich is on the market and the council are looking at buying it. But if the if business rates come back fully, Debenhams go into admin or they, you know, go bust, whatever. The business rates are over a million pounds a year payable. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be have to be picked up as a landlord cost. So you could argue that property is not worth anything. It's a negative yeah. property because... Negative yeah. In everything, you know, but it's, it's a big unit in the town centre, which, you know, it's lost BHS already. There's rumours about M&S going out of town. And I think everyone sort of looks at retail saying the problem has been the internet. I don't think the internet has been the biggest problem. The biggest problem has been out of town retail and how many planning consents have been given. You know, I'll take it to Johnny because I live here as an example. That John Lewis moving out of town five years ago. You may as well, you know, put a nail in the coffin of it with town centre. Yeah. You know, and now that now the council are now buying up things, thinking, "Oh, that's how they're going to say." Well, perhaps if you didn't give consent for a big old town, John Lewis, yeah. uh, you might have had a hope of uh, saving it. But you know, it's, it's going to be interesting times. I think hospitality sector, we we do a little bit on the A3 side. Now that's going to be tough, I think, for a while, especially for the sort of wet leg folks. But you know, we talked before about sort of lockdown and working at home, and whilst I've enjoyed it, not commute has been great. I've been into London a few times recently and I've enjoyed that the culture of getting back, even enjoyed the community, you know, the yeah. there's a little bit of downtime on the train, whether you do a bit of reading or catch up on emails and I think people will ultimately get back into that old cycle, I'm sure. You know, it's yeah. home has its advantages and maybe working weeks will change where people decide to do three days in the office, two days at home, whatever, you know, maybe five days a week, nine to five commuting is is, is not going to come back fully. But I certainly think that and elements of you know face-to-face contact is important. It's Zoom, team, all that stuff is great, but you know actually seeing people face-to-face is, is really important. And I think you know for agency, one of the key things is, is talking. I think too many people nowadays, and I've seen it with younger guys who work with, they'll use all WhatsApp and text messaging. Yeah. You know, Got to pick up the phone whenever you can. You know, yeah. it's so important because you'll get more out of a phone call than you get out of a WhatsApp message or an email. Yeah. I think you mentioned, you know, great. Obviously, you and I are clearly at home today, and you know, I think a bit of a novelty into the March and April when people have never worked at home before and they were getting used to it. But nearly every single person I've spoken to now, after you know, this amount of time, they do miss that sort of interaction, miss speaking to somebody, having a coffee, having a crack, and just you know, you join a company because the culture. I think lots of companies now are finding it a bit more conscious about not losing the culture as to why they join it. Why do you join primary retail over somebody else? because the people that work there, because of where the office is, because of who you work with. But you want to keep that sort of community sort of feeling as well. And then the clients, you can't do that via WhatsApp or even, you know, via video and, and via email. So I think people will be desperate to get back into the office as soon as they sort of possibly can, whether it's a bit more flexible, not five days a week, you know, eight hours a day. But I think that's still going to get there. And that then in turn should help, you know, the high streets because, you know, you look at the city centre into London or uh, Carnaby Street, as we talked about earlier, People aren't there because they're not working there and living there. But once that sort of happens, that hopefully should naturally come back a bit more perhaps in the, in the new year. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, in the, in the businesses, and I'm looking at, say, a big surveying practice, for example, when I was younger and graduates, and then you're in your 20s, you know, that's the lifestyle you have and you want, you know, the dreams that work as a social. That's where you pick up. That's where you form your relationships, both yeah. buyers, both with your peers and your contemporaries. So that will certainly come back. I think, you know, when you get to a certain age anyway, you're going to start doing that less and less. So it, yeah. that would be a, a natural thing. But I do think that will happen and people, you know, footfall 
I think, you know, people will still want to go shopping. You know, like bricks and mortar shopping will still go. It's just, I think, rebasing the cost is going to have to be, whether that's with the rates and with the rents. You know, and hopefully getting some new offers out there in terms of some, you know, for all these shops that are coming up, the Arcadia's brands, obviously, and, the, you know, Debs and all that. I'm sure you'll see spin-offs of some, and hopefully in some towns get some really strong independence again because, you know, yeah. a lot of high streets have become very much the same with all the same lineup, and, you know, if we can get some individuality back and some of, you know, and maybe that's the thing that would help on the business rates that they say, if you're independent, you know, you're only, you booked up anything. You know, trying to help on that. I think there's small business rates relief and a variety of other similar things, but you know, there's uh, hopefully various ways that they can encourage independence because you know that's what ultimately I think will get people back in shops is you know new concepts where it's good customer service and you know it's a good offer. I don't think anyone minds paying more money to buy something than it, you know because as long as the service is there. But you know, if you you don't want to pay more money if it's actually really poor service and. Now, if you look at British retail in the mass market in recent years with the demise of Woolworths and BHS, and into the, a lot of those probably would have survived longer, but they'd sold all the property off years ago and various owners had took all the cash out of the businesses. So, actually, they could have been run a lot longer and probably still made money, but they'd already sort of had, you know, the yeah. money dragged out of them, really. So, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens over the next couple of years. And uh, But I think... Uh, there should be enough activity and there'll certainly be deals to do. I think probably the way we work as agents may be slightly different, you know, in terms of shorter leases. You know, it might be more volume business for us in terms of lower fees but more transactions, you know, similar to with some retailers, I think, at the moment on the outer town. People are going less often but spending more. Yeah. Like sales are up and, um, you know, that might become more than all. Who knows, the big supermarkets, you know, we went from, Massive supermarkets are smaller ones. Aldi and Lidl have obviously led the charge in, in recent years on that. But I think the convenience stores as well that have had a real uh, real push recently. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, next next few months will be interesting times. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you mentioned there that it's not necessarily you know, the sort of fault of the Amazons or you know, your daughter you mentioned earlier will be shopping through Boohoo or ASOS and probably yourself at Giacomo. But those sort of companies aren't necessarily... Retail parks and town centres that 
you know, the draw of the retail park is the abundance of parking, which is free and easy to yeah. get in, you know. If you've got a big motor, which I'm sure you have, uh, Aaron, that, you know, getting that into a tight uh, little shopping centre is not easy in the old, you know, yeah. spaces. And that's, you know, again, a barrier. And then if it's like four quid for an hour, you're going to yeah. get, if you can drive five miles up the road and it's parking, it's easy, it's free, and you can go straight in. And especially when, you know, with social distancing has been relevant since March and since the coronavirus, you know, it's so much easier for retail warehousing to adhere to social distancing. You know, yeah. with the parking, you know, and, and that's why traditional town centres probably have struggled because the public transport, people were scared a little bit at first and there was the not having to wear face masks, having to wear face masks. So oh, hopefully uh, we'll get back to a level of normality soon, but it certainly will change. But I think, as I said before, that change was happening anyway. Even if COVID hadn't happened, we'd still be in a situation with these retail failures. I'm convinced that it wouldn't have, yeah. you know, and perhaps with the coronavirus at least, mitigating the rates, it might have kept some people going longer than they would have been otherwise, you know, and, and the furlough scheme as well, you know, they, they yeah. a lot of money out of that, a lot of support. So a number of these people, the casualty may have been earlier in the year rather than now. Okay. Because I guess the, the overall message in terms of the high street and retail also the areas that the prime retail working is that it's going to be okay. It's an event. It's still hopeful. We're not still shutting up shop yet. It will be okay. And it's just about, I think things will have to find the level and pricing. And, you know, you might have to look at something and say, oh, well, the rent on this used to be 300000 So it's not 300000 anymore. You know, yeah. and actually, what, what is something worth? It? You know, the, my frustration sometimes, a lot of landlord and tenant surveyors and uh, people... They'll say, oh, well, you know, the, it's worth this because uh, the, the comparables, you're like, no, it's not. It's worth what someone will pay for it. Yeah. And the fact that someone two years ago paid £20 a foot for something is irrelevant. You know, yeah. it's worth what someone will pay. Yeah, great. Yeah. And I think in high streets, that's quickly quickly established because you've got separate ownerships. I think where it becomes more of a problem is shopping centres. Uh, where there's one owner, where they don't want to let something at a value which is seen as being lower than because they're worried about the banks or worried about yeah. the, um, impacting on the value. But the reality is that, you know, you want to get people in void costs because you don't want to be covering empty rates, empty service charge when it comes back in. So in that respect, people will have to do deals. And, and I think, you know, on that basis, there'll be a lot of activity and, you know, it will be probably painful for in a few instances of people, but... Now, if you take that pain quickly and, and uh, you're more about the long-term investment, which a lot of people will be, hopefully, that you get things will level out and things will get back to a level that um, it works out. It might take 20 years, who knows, really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I might be retired by then, but this way I might be working till I'm 70. So, yeah. <laughs> hopefully not, hopefully not, hopefully not. Well, Tim, thanks very much for your um, your time, Zane. You've got lots going on. Uh, and um, obviously, coming up to Christmas as well, so lots to sort of get done before the uh, end of the year. So, thanks very much for your time. Uh, that was another episode of People and Property, two peas in a podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you soon.